0: Thank you Greg. My name is Kara Harris and I am the director of student ministries here at Faith Covenant Church and it is my pleasure to be here with you this morning um, preaching so that Kurt can have a well-deserved break with his family. Um, I'm going to be continuing on in the series that he started last week talking about the book of Jonah and uh it's an interesting story. It's a story that even if you are, have not grown up in the church, you're probably familiar with the guy who got swallowed by the whale. Um, not the one with the nose that grew, but uh, this is the other one. Uh, the book of Jonah is an easy one to miss. It's four chapters. It is 48 verses. You can find it on page 1437 in your um, few Bibles, and I will have to admit I had to look that up because it eluded me yesterday. Uh, But I like the book of Jonah because I think there are a lot of similarities between us and Jonah. Because I think we all have that tendency to run from God. We all have that tendency to resist what it is that God is asking us to do. And, and that's why it was such a great reminder that Kurt gave us last week that even though we can run from God, we cannot outrun God. Because God always already knows where we're going to run to. And, and, and God's even going to be there waiting for us when we get there. Because we can run from God, but we cannot outrun Him. Now, Kurt gave a, a great run-through last week of some of uh, Todd Clark's points on the book of Jonah. And, and first of, of all, we can uh, when we run, we end up running to odd and unsafe places. When we run from God, our lives begin to unravel. When we run from God... God gets involved in our lives, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. So as we head into chapter 2, I think I'm just going to go ahead and read it for you. Uh, Chapter 2, again, just a quick recap. God had asked Jonah to do something. Instead of doing what God had asked, he had boarded a ship. The ship got caught in a storm. And last time we found Jonah, he had been thrown into the sea and he had been swallowed by a whale. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me, from the depths of my grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will again look toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath Barred me in forever. You brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose up to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So we start chapter 2 with Jonah being hurled into the deep, and then we end chapter 2 with Jonah being hurled from the whale. <laughs> Sorry, I think I've been working with middle schoolers too long. <laughs> but here's what we see. If we, if we go back to that, that first verse, what we find is from inside the fish, Jonah prays. Because it is never too late to pray. If you imagine being swirled in that sea, finding yourself engulfed inside a whale. I remember a uh, when I was five years old, just a kindergartner, my mom took uh, myself and, and four of my sisters down to the Oregon coast for a little spring break vacation. And, and one day we're out at the dunes, and my, one of my sisters and I run down to the water, and we're doing that thing where you're chasing the waves out and coming back and chasing the waves out and coming back. And we are having a great time, and, you know, it's springtime on the... On the Oregon coast, so of course you're wearing jeans and a winter coat. <laughs> and out of nowhere, a wave much larger than all the previous waves came and swept us right off the beach. It sucked us into the ocean, and I could feel myself. I'll never forget the feeling of not only being weighed down by my shoes and my wet jeans and my wet winter coat, but the undertow pulling at me. I remember being tossed. I remember hitting against the sand. I remember every once in a while a wave would bring me up, and I could see the shore through the water just to be sucked back down into the dark. I remember my air being sucked from my lungs the taste of the briny water in my mouth and how often do we find ourselves in that position where the chaos of life swirls around us and the very air from our lungs gets sucked away and it's hard to breathe and it feels like there's no escape. I'm here to tell you that even in those moments it's not too late to pray. Those are the very moments where we need to call out. We need to call out in our distress because God listens to us when we pray. It is never too late to pray. Yet we often have this misconception of God. Our, our shame and our fear skews our opinions of who God is, and we, we think that when we're good, God listens, but when we're bad, God ignores us. But I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. That is a lie. We have a God who listens. Because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who listens to us. The miracle isn't that we can pray even when the breath has been sucked from our lungs, but the miracle is that we have a God who hears us. This book is full of story after story of people who have run from God and a god who has hear, heard them even as they're running so whether whether you're running from god whether you're running to god he always listens to your prayers it is never too late to pray now, if, if you're like me and you have parts of your life where even though you hear this message time and time again, you still are running from God, then this next part is for you and me. God often orchestrates the circumstances that stop us from running. So, even though it was the sailors who physically picked Jonah up and hurled him into the depths, I want you to hear what he says in his prayers. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The current swirled above me, and your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah knew who had orchestrated his circumstances. God had orchestrated him being hurled into the sea. God was in charge of the waves. But he had to do it to get his attention. Extreme things sometimes happens in our lives. What extreme things has God done to get your attention? What extreme things is God doing right now to get your attention? Now, I have shared in the past that I am a person who has struggled with depression throughout my life. I I ended up um, becoming depressed when I was about 13 years old, and I remember thinking, once I just graduate from high school, things will get better. Once, Once I get married, things will get better. Once, once I graduate from college, things will get better. I am sure once I have kids, that's what I've always wanted, then things will get better. Once I own my own house, that I'm sure that will fix it. But let me tell you, all of those things that I did on my own did not solve the problem. I remember being young and in, in ministry for just a few years when God finally said, Stop! It's time to stop running. And he let me know very clearly that I was not going to be allowed to serve him in ministry unless I stopped and got the healing that I need. He let me know that my kids were going to suffer the consequences of growing up with an unhealthy mom unless I stopped and got the healing that I need. When we hit rock bottom, though, there's a blessing because we get to start looking back and we get to see all of those things that God had orchestrated. When I hit rock bottom and I stopped and I looked, I got to see all that time God had been whispering me, at me, courage, have courage, I'm with you. I, it had been in Bible verses it inscribed. It was in Bible verses at VBS that was on rocks. It was unbelievable amount of places where God had been telling me, courage. He had to be because he knew that's what it was going to take for me to get healed. And he didn't do all of that stuff to pay me back. He did that to bring me back. Because God is the God of the lost. He is the God who finds us. This right here is uh, the lost and found from student ministries. So if you recognize any of this stuff... Here's the thing about lost and found boxes, especially after retreats, they stink really bad. (laughs) But so do we when we're lost, right? Whether we're a $150 Gore-Tex rain jacket or we're a single sock that has been worn a few too many days in a row, (laughs) we smell but we still have a God who pursues us to the lost and found. The, in in, in uh, verse eight, it says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He uses the word grace. It is actually in the Hebrew, the word said. Now, when you read the Bible there, it's, pers- it's translated in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's love, sometimes it's faithfulness, sometimes it's grace. And and the reason it's translated in so many different ways is because the actual meaning gets lost in translation. Our language does not have a word that fully encompasses the word hesed, which is a word for the pursuing love of God. The pursuing love of God. We have a God who pursues us. Just like when Adam and Eve sinned, God pursued them and he covered their shame. That is the intent of the God that we serve. Oftentimes we find ourselves running and and we find ourselves struggling with these worthless idols when we're resisting his will. These idols are the things that that we end up loving more than God. Now, we don't have a, most of us do not have golden calves like the Israelites had, right? We're not bowing down to, to, to objects most of the time. But if you're like me, you spend a little too much time playing dots on your phone when you should be paying attention to other things. I want to argue that there are probably even inanimate objects in this building that can become idols because, because their presence or their lack of presence or their positioning gets in the way of how we worship. My argument is that if they're getting in the way of the way we worship, maybe they've become an idol relationships can be idols. We talk about that in student ministries. If you're in a relationship that is making you compromise your value, it's time your values, it's time to reevaluate that relationship and where it fits into your life. Money can become an idol. Our reputation, what people are thinking of us, how people are viewing us, it becomes an idol. Addiction when we're running away from the things instead of going towards healing, that can be an idol. An idol is anything that we follow that is going to keep us from the best that God intends for us. The hope is that when we return to God, His grace is guaranteed it's already been offered no matter where we go God's grace can find us even when we don't have cell reception like in the belly of a whale God's grace can find us here's the problem when we run from God when we run from God life goes downhill Look at Jonah. He runs down to Joppa. Once he's on the ship, he goes down into the ship. He gets hurled down into the sea. He goes down into the belly of the whale. One can say when he started running, life really went downhill. And the same thing for us. But but the hope again is that when we look up to God's promises, we experience His grace. Chapter, or chapter 2, verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I was listening to, to Todd Clark, who, who also preached on Jonah, and he had done some research about exactly what that meant. I mean, because God's present there right in the belly of the whale, right? But why is he needing to look toward the temple? Well, it's because Jonah knew something about the history of the temple. And that's when, after Solomon had finished building the temple, here's what he said during the dedication. When a prayer or plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one aware of the afflictions of his own heart, and spreading out his hands towards the temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act to deal with each man according to all he does, since you know his heart, for you alone know the hearts of all men. God heard Jonah. God forgave Jonah. God hears you and God forgives you. No matter how far you've run, grace is guaranteed because God's grace is greater than my mistakes. Praise God. (laughs) God's grace is greater than my mistakes. But his grace does not Negate his discipline. God's discipline in our lives is thorough. That's another truth. If we go to uh, verses 5 and 6. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. Now, when Jonah was hurled into the stormy sea, as he's been sw- being swallowed by the whale, my guess is it did not take a whole lot of reflection for him to turn around. <laughs> Right? Just like a kid who's about to be spanked. All of a sudden, they're repenting! (laughs) But Jonah still spent three days and three nights in the belly of that whale. Because sometimes when we sin, we need to deal with the consequences. Because it's the only way we can remember that with rebellion comes pain. It's, it's again, time after time in this book, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, they were sent from the garden. The Israelites continually sinned, and they, they had to experience their captivity. When David took another man's wife, he experienced the contempt of his enemies and the loss of his child because rebellion causes pain. Pain. The thing with his discipline, though, is even though it's thorough, it is not thoughtless. Hebrews, if we go all the way to the New Testament to Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In student ministries, we're talking about how friendships are forged by the fire, how they they strengthen when they go through difficult times. I think the same is for us. God knows that when he turns up the heat, when he puts up the pressure... We start growing. We grow in our grace. We grow in our character. We grow in our faith. And it is a purposeful growth. It is not out of vengeance. It is not a thoughtless discipline. God is also the God of salvation. Verses 9 and 10. But I will sing a song of thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. I'm just excited because I got to say vomit in church twice. (laughs) But the point is that salvation comes to the Lord. Sometimes we find ourselves in those places where we can't save us, where nobody can save us. The only thing that is left to do is for us to rely on the creator of the universe and accept the salvation that he's offering us. That's the theme, right? That's the theme, is that God offers us salvation and salvation can only come from him. And if we sneak a peek at chapter three, what we find is with chapter three, verse one, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. See, God is the God of second chances. It's a holy do-over, right? (laughs) He offers us that second chance so that we can do good for his sake. Because you see, God created each and every one of us with a plan. He created each and every one of us for a purpose. And he's not going to stand in the way of that plan and that purpose. When we rely on him for that salvation, when we rely on him for that second chance, he's going to give it to us so that we can succeed and be a part of his plan, be a part of his picture. If there's one takeaway I'd like to uh, give you guys this week is that as you find yourselves in those places where you're breathless with shame or with fear or overwhelmed by the chaos of your lives, take a step back towards God. Even in the middle of that storm, even when all of it is raging around you, just take one step back, turn your head back towards that temple. Will you pray with me?